Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. It's just good to see you, and uh, we're excited about entering in this season. Hey, and as we enter in the Christmas season, uh, before we go into our time of teaching, I just got a couple uh, quick announcements of my, my own about Christmas. Uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, last summer, we, uh, we did a series on uh, uh, culture of generosity, the journey of generosity, went through kind of a major financial crisis as a church, and God just really met us and taught us, and, and we did that whole series called The Journey of Generosity. And in that series, one of the things we learned that is, is as Christ followers, one of the ways that Jesus wants to transform and change us to be like him is just to create a heart of generosity. And so we talked about these three major ways of generosity that, that, uh, of kind of uh, giving that we see throughout the Bible. We talked about kind of percentage giving. It's our kind of our regular ongoing support to fund the, the movement of Jesus, uh, especially through our local church. We talked about uh, uh, project giving where we give to special projects or, or kind of things that advance the kingdom. And, and so like the Freedom Fund last summer. Uh, and then we talked about giving to the poor. We saw God's heart for the poor, these three major kinds of giving. And so uh, as we enter into this uh, this season of uh, generosity here at Christmas, we've got a couple opportunities. I just want to make you aware of them, call your attention. Number one is just right here at Rocky Peak, probably most of you know this, but December is our most important time of the year financially. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a month that we usually budget about twice our normal income because a lot of people do the year in giving. And so it's really important that we end the year strong. And so I just want to challenge us as a church that as we go in this final month that we would do exactly what we learned last summer through, through uh, 2 Corinthians. That, that we would each kind of go before the Lord, ask him what he wants us to do as our part. And, and I'm just, I'm convinced that if we all will just seek him, do our part, that we'll end the year strong and lay a strong foundation for next year, whatever God's calling us to next year. And so that's kind of year in giving. But the other opportunity I want to highlight is that uh, we're going to be having a special uh, kind of uh, opportunity to give to the poor here at, during Christmas. And here's the funny thing. I've always thought this about Christmas. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but it's kind of funny because Christmas is a time we celebrate whose birthday? Yeah, all right, good, very good. Just starting the basics. And uh, the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, when you, when you celebrate someone's birthday, you give them what? Gifts, right? But on Christmas, which is Jesus' birthday, we don't give him gifts. We give each other gifts, which seems kind of weird to me. And it's always felt like we should be giving him gifts, right? And, and so uh, we want to be able to give a gift to him. And, and uh, in, uh, in Proverbs, it says when you give a gift to the, uh, the poor, that you're giving to the Lord. And so we want to have a special. So what we're going to do here, and, and God may call you something different. I want to be clear this. He may, certain, you have certain family traditions of giving the poor, whatever. I get that. But, but if you don't, we're going to be doing a special thing here. And we're going to be working with an organization called World Vision, which a lot of you have heard of. It's a major Christian relief organization. And they have this incredible thing that they do at Christmas, opportunity. And I know some of you have done this in your families, but you can actually buy, buy um, farm animals for the poor. Uh, for around the world. And so, um, so it's, it's a way of giving to them not just a gift at Christmas to help their immediate need, but to give them an ongoing food support. It's so like, for example, if you buy a couple chickens, it provides not only eggs for this family for, forever, but if you get a male and a female, you'll have many chickens and you'll be able to have a lot of chicken dinners. And so um, I, I know because I raise chickens. But uh, anyway, um, so here's the deal. They're like, for $25, you can give two chickens. For uh, for $75, you can give uh, a goat that provides goat's milk and so on. For, uh, for $105, you can give a uh, sheep. For $195, a pig. For $500, a cow. Uh, for $2,000, a whole barnyard full. <laughs> and so uh, here's what we're going to do. The next two weekends, when you come to church, you're going to have inside your program, you have a normal offering for your normal percentage giving year and stuff. But what we're asking is if God leads you over and above what you would normally give to Rocky Peak, that you would make a gift to the poor. And we'll have this, we'll have this insert in your program, all the different animals and their prices. You can choose which ones. It's kind of like, uh, what's that thing on, uh, on uh, uh, Facebook, that farm, Farmville, whatever, yeah. Uh, anyway, you can, you can buy your animals. Uh, we'll have a special envelope in there. You can, you can drop in your form. Uh, drop in your check, that separate envelope. And then, uh, or if you want to pay with Visa or MasterCard, whatever, they'll have the opportunity. If you want to go online and buy your animals and pay via Visa or MasterCard, you'll be able to do that. But we're going to do that for the next two weekends, okay? And so you remember that last summer we did this. Remember we, we did some, some kind of outreach to the poor through that, that series we went through. We, we uh, kind of went without water for a week, and we, ra- or we, no, we went with water without other beverages. It seemed like water because it was Starbucks for me. But anyway, uh, 
it, it, we, we raised uh, uh, $24,000 one week to, to, uh, to, to build these three wells, uh, drill three wells in Africa, and we, we raised about $30,000 of food to give here in Los Angeles. We had several projects, so we just want to continue on growing as a church in our heart for the poor, and what a great season to do that, right? And so I just want to challenge you, just kind of be praying about that. I've already picked out my animal. I'm excited about this. I'm ready to go. So just be praying about that. If God calls you to, we're going to see how much money we can raise to kind of bless the poor, all right? So um, we're going to be going now into our time of teaching. And so, by the way, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at Rocky Peak. And inside your program, if you're new, you'll, you'll need to know this. There's a, a white and green message note sheet. And right now, we're going to cut to the screen and, uh, and watch something. Uh, Self-control. <laughs> Well, it's funny that uh, the video is really based on some research that was done uh, back in uh, 1968, some very famous research that was done at Stanford University. And uh, there was a, a, a kind of a, a famous team of researchers there, and, and they wanted to uh, test some things in self-control, and so they brought four-year-olds into a room one by one back then. This, this was not a video of that, obviously. This, this is more recent, but it's based on that. And they, they brought these four-year-olds into this room, uh, one by one, they were watching them through the one-way glass, and they, they, exactly what they tell me. So you, here's a marshmallow, and, and, and so if you want to eat it right away, you can do that. But if you wait till we get back, uh, then you, you'll, get, uh, you'll get two marshmallows. And, and so then they, they observe them and kind of re- record that. We'll talk more about that later. But uh, today we're going to be continuing on this series that we've been in for the last few months. And uh, for those of you who are brand new, the series is called Freedom. And I want to take, just, I always like to take a minute or two at the beginning, just kind of bring those of you who are, who are kind of new with us up to speed. So let me do that. Um, the series is, is uh, it's based on a letter from a man, the same the Apostle Paul, to uh, some, some new Christ followers uh, in a region called Galatia, which is like where modern day Turkey is. And so this, he writes a letter to these, these people called the Letter of the Galatians. And, and in this letter, he's talking to them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and, and about the freedom that Christ has come to give us in our life, a freedom from our past, a freedom from our dark side, a freedom to be everything that he's created us to be. But, but, and, and the key to this freedom is, is the life and death of Christ. And so one of the lessons we've been learning is that, is that if we're gonna if we're gonna grow in freedom and and live the life we're meant to live, that the, the key is learning to follow the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so in chapter five uh, of Galatians, Paul's kind of laying out a couple long lists. He says, "Here's what it looks like when you're following the leading of the Spirit in your life, and here's what it looks like when, when you're following kind of the dark side, you're following human nature." And so for the last few weeks, uh, uh, we've been going through that first list, like what he calls the acts of the sinful nature, uh, and then and then we've been recently going through the, the light side, what he calls the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, uh, as you're following the Holy Spirit's lead in your life, uh, this is the, the fruit that he'll supernaturally, these are the character qualities that he'll supernaturally create in your life. And so today we're going to finish up that list. In fact, we're actually finishing up this second mini-series that we've been in in Galatians. It's called uh, The Spirit. That's uh, focused on most of chapter 5. We're going to finish that up today. And he finishes up then chapter 5 with a challenge to us uh, about pursuing the Spirit in our life. And so we're going to be looking at that. So there in your note sheet, uh, or there, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to pick it up at verse 22, and on your note sheet, uh, you'll see a section called the Fruit of the Spirit, part three. And so we're going to jump in and uh, pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago. So Galatians 5 and verse 22, uh, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, uh, in other words, th- this is what the Holy Spirit produces in our life. And I, I want to keep coming back to this. This list is not like, hey, this is what you're supposed to be, now go be it. This is really, hey, as you're following the Holy Spirit and his lead, these are the supernatural changes that he will, he will create in your life. These are the, the quality that he will bring in your life. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We called it the big three. And then patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. And we talked about those a couple weeks ago. We talked about the character of Christ. And and actually what the fruit of the Spirit is, it's really a description of the character of who Jesus is. And and what the Holy Spirit does when he comes in our life is he begins to transform us from the inside out to be like Christ. And then, and then uh, we, we come to the last example today, and the last example is what? Self-control. Yeah, self-control. And so then he says, against such things, in other words, the things he's just listed, the fruit of the Spirit, against such things there is no law. So here's what he's saying. Uh, what we've been learning throughout Galatians is that as Christ's followers, 
Because Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sin, we're no longer under the Old Testament rules and regulations and laws. We've been set free. But, but there were those that were criticizing Paul in the churches of Galatia saying, but wait a second, if that's true, if we're no longer under the Old Testament laws and, and rules and rituals, then what's to prevent us from going off the deep end morally? What's to prevent us from just going way off track and going over to the dark side? And, and so we need to follow these laws to keep us on track spiritually. And so what Paul is saying is no, because we have the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit will never lead us wrong. Like if we follow him, uh, we don't really need Need the luck because he'll lead to things like love and joy and peace. And so he says, against such things, there is no law. Like he's never going to lead us to do something illegal, therefore, we don't need the law. And then he comes at it a different way in verse 24. And he says, uh, think of it this way those who belong to Christ, uh, those who've given their life to Christ, they've crucified uh, the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So this is what it means to be a Christ follower. That you come to a certain place in your life where you say what? You say, I, I realize I'm, I'm far from God. I've rebelled against him. I, I need Christ to come into my life and forgive me for that rebellion. But, I'm, but also it means I'm sick of my old life. I'm sick of the dark side. And, and I want to leave that life behind. And I want to rise with Christ to a new life. And so Paul says, by definition, someone who belongs to Christ is someone who's bought into that, who's died to the dark side. And so, in fact, that's what baptism is all about. Baptism is when a person says, I want to leave the dark side. I want to be raised with Christ, right? It's a, it's a dividing one. So, so Paul says we don't need the old laws because we've received the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us to do the right things. And as Christ followers, we've, we've already left the dark side. We've said we don't want that, and so we're not going to be pursuing that. And then he, sa- he, uh, he gives us a final challenge in this chapter he says, so since we live by the Spirit, in other words, since the Holy Spirit has come into our life, since we've given our life to Christ, and he's given us new life, we've been born again, we've supernaturally changed, since that's happened, let's keep, on, let's keep in step with the Spirit, really a military term, uh, of you, like you see uh, people marching, like you see military ranks marching, like we're going to stay in step with the Spirit, we're going to follow his lead in our life. And then he, then he ends with one final example because he knows that in this church in Galatia, we've talked about it before, there, there's a lot of conflict going on. We're not sure exactly all, why all the conflict, but there's a lot of conflict. He's referred to in other places. And so in their particular application, he gives them one specific application, and he says, uh, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of relational dysfunction. Remember he talked back earlier about one of the, the, one of the parts of the dark side is relational dysfunction. So he says, follow the spirit. Like in your case right now, that means like learn to get along, learn to put each other first and that, that sort of thing. Okay. And so with that, he wraps up this whole section on the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to be doing today is a couple things. First of all, we want to spend a few minutes talking about this last example of what the Holy Spirit does in our life as we follow him. All right, So we're going to talk about self-control. But then I want to come back and I want to look at this challenge that he gives in verse 25 as keeping in step with the Spirit. Because really, and I hope you can catch this, this is the key to the Christian life. You say, like, what is the key? This is the key. Learning to recognize the leading of the Spirit. And learning to follow the leading of the Spirit in your life is the key to transformation. It's the key to freedom. And so we want to be really clear today that as a church, we get this. How, how do we recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit? How do we keep in step? Because that's the key to, to everything. Are, are you with me on that? Really, it's really important. So we're going we're gonna to spend some time there. So uh, there in your note sheet, you have a section called Self-Control, the, free, uh, the Secret of Freedom. Let's talk about this last example that he gives. So, so. Uh, Paul's been listing the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, this is what happens when, when you're following the leading of the Spirit. Uh, this is what will, the changes he's going to produce in your life. He's going to produce things like, like love. He's going to produce things like joy. He's going to produce things like, like uh, peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And he comes to the last one, which is this example of self-control. Okay, so it's an interesting word. The word in the Greek is the word egkratia. Like, if you want to write it down in English, it would be like E-G-K-R-A-T. 
kratia, kratia. And what it means in Greek is it's, it's kind of a picture of someone who's keeping a firm grip on themselves. Okay, so they're, they're, they're under their own, they're controlling themselves in terms of their, their, maybe their, their words, their actions, their emotions, uh, their, their thoughts, uh, their, their values, their prayer. They've got a firm grip. Now, the opposite of ekratia, the opposite of self-control would be someone who is out of control. And this is what I want you to catch today. That at, at that, those, those areas of our life where we're out of control, we're, we're admitted we're out of control. That's the areas where, where self-control come, comes in, okay? So, so the, the picture is, is that God wants to, uh, what, what Paul is saying is as the Holy Spirit uh, comes into your life, as you follow the leading, that one of the things you're going to see is you're going to come more and more in control of your own life. You're going to get your freedom back. Now, this is interesting because one of the things that we've learned in Galatians 5 is that that one of the things that happened when we as a human race rebelled against our creator, one of the things that happened is that we lost control of our lives. Like we came under the power of what we'd called the dark side with its, with its magnetic pull towards, towards that which is destructive and evil and, and polluted, right? That's what we've been learning. And so, and so we, we, we've lost control as a race, and so in losing control, we've lost our freedom. And so what Paul says is one of the things the Holy Spirit does, he, he wants to give us back control over our life, that we would be back in control of our, our thoughts, our, our actions, our emotions, our feelings, our, our choices, our passions, and so on. So let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul, there in your note sheet, there's a very famous passage in Romans chapter 7. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about the, the human race and our fallenness. And he's kind of using himself as an example. So he's speaking in first person. But he says, let me tell you who we are as fallen human beings. And he says, let me, let me use myself as an example. And so there, there in your note sheet, he says, uh, he starts off, he says, I am unspiritual. Okay? And, and by this, he means as a natural human being, as a fallen human being, uh, he says, I am unspiritual. In other words, I am not led by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. I, I am unspiritual. I'm, I'm not a spiritual man. I'm not led by the Spirit. Uh, he says, as, as a natural human being, he says, and I'm sold as a what? A slave to sin, a slave to the dark side. This is how we all start off in life. We start off as, as a slave to sin. We're, we're a slave to the dark side. And then he says, uh, next thing he says, I do not understand what I do. Now, can any of you relate to that? <laughs> if you're human, you should be able to relate to this. I mean, have there been times in your life that I am not going to scream at my kids again? Like, like, this is a bad thing. That was a wrong response. I'm never going to scream at my kids again. And then it's like three days later, you're screaming at your kids, right? It, it's like that's out of control. You're, you're not in control of your own life. You, 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 want to, you want to treat your kids a certain way, but you don't have the ability to keep to create your kids. It was like you're out of control. Uh, have you ever gone into Christmas season and you said, this year we're not going to spend more than we can afford? Like this year we're going to live within our means because we don't want to spend the next three months after Christmas digging out and paying 18% on credit card. And so, so this year, and then, and then how many times? We go, how many times do you go into the, the Christmas season and you say, you know what? I know the average weight person, uh, uh, every year that the average person gives eight pounds during Christmas season. And I've done that the last 10 years. I'm now 80 pounds overweight. And, and so this year, this year I'm not going to do it, right? And, and then it's like, oh, 10 pounds. You know, it's a, uh, and so we, we've all been there, different areas of our life, different struggles, but we've all been there saying, I don't understand myself. Like, why do I, I want to control my anger? I want to control my sexuality. I want to do my finances different. I want to have to do my priorities. I want to spend time with God. Whatever it is that, that we, this is who we want to be, and yet we, we're out of control. Like, we don't have the ability to do the, the right thing, the right way, at the right time, which is how I define self-control. The right thing, the right way, the right time. And so we, we want to do it, but we don't have that ability. And so he goes on and he says, uh, he explains what he means, and I think we could all relate. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, that's what I end up doing. And, and then he ends, jumps to the end of the chapter, and he says, what a wretched man that I am. 
who will rescue me from this body of death, this lack of self-control that I have in my life. And so if you, if you go on reading in Romans, of course, the next thing he says is, well, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the, the point is, as a human race, we lost control. We're under the power of the dark side. This is why Christ has come, to free us so we can become the people that we were intended to be and we can regain control of our life. And so in Galatians 5, Paul says this is one of the qualities the Holy Spirit creates in our life is that when we come to, we come to Christ, that he begins to give us increasing control back as we follow the leading of his Spirit, only as we follow the leading of the Spirit. So what you can, and what you can see is you can see how important this quality is. Because in many ways, if you stop and think about it, that, that none of the other fruit of the Spirit are possible without this one, right? Like, so like, is it really possible to love people well without self-control in your life? Is it really possible to have joy in your life if you're out of control? Is it possible to have peace in your life if you're out of control? Is it, is it possible to have patience in life without self-control? You see, in some ways, self-control is like the master ingredient that holds things together. It's, it's kind of the secret of our freedom. And, and, and so it's not, just, it's not just as Christ followers we recognize this. I mean, the world recognizes this. You know, we started the day with this, uh, this story, this, this uh, video of the, these kids, and, and I kind of told you the story about that. Uh, the kind of four-year-old Stanford and so on. And what they were really doing with these kids is they, they, were, they were, as a very famous research project, and what they were doing is they were trying to figure out is there any correlation between uh, self-control early in life with success later on in life? Okay, that, that was their, their, the whole, the whole uh, point of this thing. And so what they did, you know, they put the four-year-olds in the room, and just like as you saw in the video, very similar type experience, that, that some of the kids would eat the marshmallow right away, some would, would wait about five or ten minutes, kind of fight the temptation, then give in, eat the marshmallow. Some would wait the whole time, and the, the experiment would last about 15 to 20 minutes. They'd leave them in there about 15 to 20 minutes. And some would kind of resist the whole time. And so they wanted to see, is there any correlation between self-control at age four and their success later in life? So they, they, after they did the experiments, they tried these kids for the next 10, 10, 15, 20 years. And guess what? There was a huge correlation between success at four, self-control at four, and success in life. As they track these kids, huge correlation, much better adjusted, much better relationships in life, uh, much better performance in school, uh, much, uh, uh, much more self-motivated, uh, uh, confident kids. Uh, kids are able to deal with hard times and keep on going, persevere. All the things that contribute to success, huge correlation. And so what Paul is saying here is that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when we, when, when we come to Christ is, is that he begins to give us back control of, of our thoughts, our actions, our emotions, our choices, our, our priority, our, our behavior. Now, Chances are, if you're a Christ follower, chances are you've experienced this in your life. That, that since you've come to Christ, you've seen yourself grow in self-control. And not just a kind of gutting it out willpower thing, but the Holy Spirit's given you control. Some of you, when you came, you, you were addicted to some kind of substance abuse or whatever. And you saw God begin to give you the strength to take control of your life. Some of you, the, the addiction or the, the thing you struggled with was kind of illicit sexuality began to give you control. Some of it's been anger issues or other emotions. There's, we could go on and on. But, but chances are, as you've come to Christ, one of the things that happened is he began to give you some control back in your life. Your life. I know this was certainly true in my life. As a young believer, there was many areas of my life that were sort of out of control. That, that things that I, I could relate very much to Paul in Romans chapter 7. Things I wanted to do, kind of willpowered to do, uh, prayed to do, strove to do, memorized scripture to help me do, uh, made commitments, fasted, pray, you know, whatever, and, and yet still failed it. Just still didn't have control in those areas. Uh, kind of, I hadn't learned this lesson of following the lead of the Spirit. I hadn't learned this lesson of trusting in the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and power. I was really trusting in my own ability just to gut this thing out and, and to, to kind of my spiritual discipline make this thing happen. And so uh, I, I can think of so many areas, just in a wide variety, uh, sexual temptation. 
was, was, a, was a major area for me. Uh, anger issues, kind of major area for me. Uh, certain fear issues, doubt issues, kind of major area. Uh, personal discipline issues. You know, there's things I wanted to do and be that I didn't have the power to be. But, but as I walk with Christ, as I learn to listen and follow and submit and surrender to the leadership of the Spirit, the freedom began to come in my life, this new, new power of self-control. Okay, and so, so what Paul is saying This is one of the qualities the Holy Spirit unleashes in our life the longer we follow him. Okay, so let's step back now from the passage. And so Paul says in the second list, the light side, the fruit of the Spirit, what he's saying is when Jesus came into your life, the Holy Spirit came into your life, that, that he began to change you from the inside out. And that as we learn to follow and submit to the leading of the Spirit, that these are the, these are the fruits, the, the things that are going to be produced supernaturally in our life. Are, are you with me? You got it? Okay. Now, what that means then is it becomes absolutely critical for us as a church to learn how to keep in step with the Spirit, right? Because if that's the key to transformation, then, then that becomes the, the number one priority of the Christ follower. Well, how do we learn to listen and to recognize and identify the leading of the Spirit. So this is what, how Paul ends in 525. Let's take a look. It's how he ends this chapter then. One more time, he says, since we live by the Spirit, you've been born again, you've come to Christ, you've received the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the DNA of Jesus. Okay, the key is then you have to keep in step with the Spirit. Follow his leadership in your life. So what I want to do in the balance of our time today is I, I want to talk about learning how to stay in step with the Spirit. And uh, there in your note sheet, uh, there's a section, we're going to talk about this. It says staying in step, three key words. And what I want to do is I want to, I want to give you kind of three handles, uh, three words uh, to help us better understand how to identify and recognize the leading of the Spirit in your life. Now, here's the thing. If you're a Christ follower, there's nothing I'm going to say to you today that's going to be totally out of the blue. I can almost guarantee you that what, what I'm going to say, they, I, I think it's what it's going to, for most of you, it's going to be something like, oh, I, I think I kind of knew that. Uh, but I, did, I never could put my hands on it. I could, you know, so, so the goal is, is that as a church today, we would learn, get some handles of how do you listen and recognize the leading of the Spirit so that you can keep in step and so that you can be transformed, so you can move in this life of freedom because this is the key, this is the core of what it means to be a Christ follower. So here we go. Number one, the, the, first, the first word, the first way that the Holy Spirit leads us is by insight. And, and what, what I mean is he leads us to new truth in our life. Now, now, we've talked about this some in this series, but I want to come back and crystallize this. I want you to make sure we're clear on this. One of the primary ways that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in your life is by giving you increasing insight. Okay, He is going to open your eyes to certain spiritual, tr- certain truths about life, and, and with as he opens your eyes to truth, that there are going to be certain obvious implications that flow out of that truth for your life, okay? So, so for example, like if the Holy Spirit's opening your eyes to the truth of forgiveness and is calling in our life to forgive, that, that very likely he'll bring someone in your, your life, like, that you need to have forgiveness to you, that, okay, oh, that, I see what that means. Like, like the light in the room is getting turned up, and you're like, oh, I can start to see now, but in the light of that insight, I'm seeing certain implications, you know, oh, that room's dirty, I need to clean that. I thought it was clean, as long as the lights were off. But now, now thing, you know, we can see what needs to happen. Okay, so, now here's what I want you to catch, is that when the Holy Spirit gives you truth, I'm not just talking about just certain spirits. I'm talking about truth in any area of your life because he's the Lord of all life. And, and so the Holy Spirit, this could be in any a million areas. It could be truth about your boss at work. Okay? It, it could be truth about your spiritual life and what, it, what you need to grow. Uh, it could be truth about forgiveness. It could be uh, truth about your finances. It could be truth about your priorities. It could be truth about uh, how to raise your kids. I mean, it, it, you know, the Holy Spirit is the Lord of truth, right? And, and so he is the master of all truth. And so when he wants to grow you in an area, here's what I want you to catch, that, that what he does is he begins to turn up the truth in an area. He begins to give you insight and catch this. That insight 
is your invitation to go on a journey with him. That, that insight is his journey to let's take a walk. Okay? So we're talking about keeping in step with the spirit. So as he begins to turn up the light in the area, we begin to see something. It's like his way of saying, hey, this is the way we're going. It's a walk with me. Does that make sense? Okay, now, um, Jesus talked about this. And there in your note sheet, you know, the last night that Jesus was with his men, he talked to them a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit, how this relationship was going to work, what to expect from the Holy Spirit. One of the things he said is when, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, John 16, uh, he will guide you into all what? Okay, so this is his job. This is his mode. He, he opens our eyes. He gives us insight. And with that, there's an invitation. Now, here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to new truth, sometimes it's an easy thing to follow. Okay? Uh, we've all experienced this. Uh, you're, you're sitting here in a church service, for example, and we're teaching about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and you've had certain kind of crazy ideas about what it means to be a Christian, very legalistic, uh, very kind of confining, very restrictive ideas, maybe you're raised with or you, you picked up along the way. And, and so as we're teaching through the word here, you, you begin to get clear that what, what God's calling you to is a, a true relationship, not a ritual, not, not a religious thing. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's like you see it, and there's great freedom in that. And all these things that used to hold you back, they begin to fall off, don't they? And so, and so it's easy to follow at times like that. Oh, I get it. Like, that's awesome. Like, the Holy Spirit just showed me this awesome. Let me keep in step with you. I'm going to quit these stupid ways of thinking. I'm going to just move into my future, and, and it's exciting. Uh, there's times when it, when in, in your life where uh, may, maybe you've got worry about it. So you've got a fear about a certain issue. And maybe you're, you're close to losing your job or you have lost your job or you're out of work or, or you're having financial problems. You're not sure how to pay it for Christmas. And you're in the midst of a worship service or a time of prayer. And, and the Holy Spirit just opens your eyes and say, I am with you. And you, and you are not alone. And, and, and you just need to trust me in this because you don't need to be afraid because I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And this new truth comes in your life. And it's, it's obvious what it means. Okay, I just need to let these worries go. And it's beautiful, isn't it? And it sets you free. It's like, yes, we just keep in step with the Spirit. I'll walk with you. Uh, some of you, uh, there, there are certain sins that you committed in your life a long time ago, and you've many times come to Jesus. You've asked him to forgive you, and yet there's, there's still sometimes late at night, in the middle of the night, that, that sin comes back to you, and you, just, you still feel guilty, and, and you just can't get over it. And then, and then one day, however he does, the Holy Spirit opens your eyes, and you understand that when Jesus died for you, he paid the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. You are totally clean, and it's not just theology, it's life for you, and, and you are free, right? And so you're like, yes, and it's beautiful, and you just walk in that freedom, and it's easy to follow the Spirit. Are, are you following me? Okay. Okay, but there's other times when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to a truth, and it is not easy to receive it. It's just as much going to lead us to freedom, but it's not easy to receive it. Uh, uh, he may come to you, for example, and talk to you about your finances, this whole area of generosity, and he calls you to a new area of giving or whatever. And there's a part of you that loves it and wants to respond, but there's a part that's like, well, but I wanted this, and I want to do this, and I, right? Uh, the, he comes to you and he talks to you about an area of your character, and, and he, he shows you that, hey, it's not just your wife. You really are harsh, <laughs> you know? It, it's, not, it's not just your wife saying that. It, you, you really have a character issue here, and your harshness and the way you, you treat people. And the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to see that. You know, the, the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, it's not just your husband, it really is you. You have a spending problem, okay? You see? And, and so, now I'm getting a little close to home, but uh, <laughs> I, I hear the, ah! Like, uh, you, you see what I'm saying? That there's times when the Holy Spirit comes and says, that relationship begins to open your eyes to new truth. You begin to see it. That relationship needs to go. That, that habit, that habit needs to stop. Uh, that priority needs to change, right? And it's a hard truth because it's going to require a deep death, a death to the dark side. It's going to require a hard choice. And so what's so tempting at times like that is instead of turning towards the light and the truth and receiving it, to turn away from that truth. 
and to reject that truth or, or to deny that truth or ignore that truth or pretend that's not true. And so, so the temptation is to say, I'm not harsh. It's just if my, my wife just pushes my buttons, okay? Uh, it's tempting for the wife to say, it's not that I'm overspending, it's just you don't make enough money. <laughs> right, see? See, my spending's good, it's your, your making that's so bad, right? And, and so you see what I'm saying? It's tempting because we don't want to see that because it's, it's a hard truth. But here's what I want you to catch. This is the number one way the Holy Spirit leads us is by opening our eyes to new truth, to new insight. And with that insight is an invitation to change and it's a direction, follow me. And if we follow him, we will stay in step with the Spirit and we will be transformed. If we reject that truth, we will immediately go off track and we will stop the transformation process. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay, so it's the number one way. Okay, number two. The second way I think happens less often, but it's, it's, it's also very important. And this is the area of promptings. Uh, and, and it leads to new directions. In other words, there, there are times in our life where the Holy Spirit will, will come into our life and he'll give us specific promptings, specific direction about a choice we're to make, an area he wants to change or whatever. And it's not just a general truth, but it's a specific communication from God to you. Okay, it's, it's God speaking, but I'm, but I'm using that term God speaking in a very wide way because God speaks in such a wide uh, variety of ways. The Holy Spirit speaks. So, so for example, let me give you some of the areas that you'll recognize in your life that, that God speaks to different believers. Different, different ways, different times. But uh, one of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks is through his word, right? So, uh, and, and I'm not talking just about a general truth that you're reading the word, he's opening your eyes to truth, but I'm talking about a specific uh, direction that comes to you through a specific passage. Like, like I remember uh, one time when, uh, before I, I met Lynn, um, that I was uh, uh, dating a girl and uh, I knew I wasn't supposed to be dating her. I think this, this is something uh, that, that I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing, but it was a great relationship. It was the best relationship I ever had. I really love this relationship, and, and I was really resisting the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been there? Yeah, like just kind of, um, yeah. Uh, got it, got it. Uh, line's busy. I'll put you on hold. Uh, got something else going on. Uh, and, and I remember this, this one night uh, being in my room and uh, reading through Ecclesiastes of all places. And God, this, this verse just kind of came off the page and spoke to my heart in a powerful way. And, and I knew God was speaking to me about this situation. The Holy Spirit was saying, you've got to let this thing go. Now, the thing was, is I, I wouldn't go into the verse or whatever because if I told you, you'd say, what does that have to do? And that's the point. And the Holy Spirit has a way of taking the word and he just says, boom, this is what you're supposed to do. And, and, and he speaks and, and he's giving you a prompting. He's giving you a direction. Uh, sometimes it comes through uh, a weekend service, a public teaching type. You know, that, that it's not uncommon at all. So many of you will come up to me and say, man, it feels like that message you're, you're talking just to me. It feels like, uh, it feels like man, you're, you're following me around. You're, in, you're reading my mail. You're, you know, it's like I, I'm not, but someone is. And uh, his, his name is the Holy Spirit. And it's funny because some of the things you get out of my messages are not even what I said. Uh, it's just, uh, it's like, uh, man, this was so powerful. This was awesome. And it's like, well, great. I didn't say that, but I'm glad God did. You know, it's just like, he took these 18 words, strung them together, and it's like, woo, you know. Um, so, uh, but, but that happens, doesn't it? You're, you're sitting, and all of a sudden, there's something that comes to your mind that there's not just a general truth, but there's a specific application that, that you're, he's telling you to do. Uh, sometimes that can happen in worship. Sometimes it happens through, um, through, through times of prayer. You're just praying, and all of a sudden, there's specific prompting that comes that you recognize. From the spirit. Sometimes, for some people, I don't think this is, is, is normal but if, for all of us, but I think for some people, they'll receive uh, a specific uh, kind of messages from God, really kind of verbal messages, but they're not usually uh, auditory, uh, but you're, they're inside your head. Uh, it could be a single word. It could be a phrase. It could be a sentence. Um, but but it's, it's, really, uh, it's really very direct, and it's very profound, and it, it's not your own thoughts. It's much deeper 
It comes with greater clarity. Uh, I like to describe it has a weight to it. Um, and, and that it has lasting power, that it just kind of stays with you, that you sense you've been spoken to. Uh, my wife is like this, and it's been a great gift in, in our life. I've been praying about something, and, and she will say, God will speak to her, and I'll say, hey, was, what was that? Was it this? And she's like, no, you missed the third word. It's like, this is what it said. You know? And so uh, for, for some of you may experience it like that. Uh, sometimes it's more general. It's more an impression that comes. That you're, 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 it's all of a sudden, you just know you're supposed to call somebody. There's someone you need to call uh, in your life group. And, and, and they're just, you don't know why. What if you just call? You know, you just, you just got to call. Uh, and you call them, and it's like, man, it's just like so awesome that you called. I've been going through this major thing. I don't know how to do it, you know, whatever. And, it's just, and all of a sudden, uh, sometimes, it, sometimes it can be um, a dream. Uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit can give you a dream. I've had some dreams in my life. It's not the normal way he communicates with me, but sometimes he'll give you a dream that, you know, most of our dreams mean nothing, right? But, but everyone knows there's a, it's a spiritual dream. Uh, sometimes uh, the, the Lord will speak to you through a, a prophetic word. Like one of the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a gift of prophecy where someone's able to receive a word from God, a very clear word, that they're supposed to deliver to, to someone else. And uh, I think sometimes this can be abused, but it's a very true gift. And, and, and so in all these areas, the point is, is that the Holy Spirit is real. He's alive. He lives in you. And guess what? He didn't lose his voice in the first century. Right? He still speaks today. And, and so if we want to keep in step with the Spirit, we have to be open to his promptings his direct communications. Let me give you a great example of this. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul tells us how we should approach this. Because, of course, there's danger. Sometimes when you talk about this, we've all known someone who's kind of done something crazy and messed up their life. They said, oh, yeah, God told me to do it. Uh, I, I understand that it can be abused, but all good things can be abused. And so we just want to learn how to do it the right way. And so Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians how to do this. In verse, uh, fifth, uh, verse 19, he's talking to the church about the gift of prophecy and how to handle this gift in their church. And he says, uh, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now catch this. What, what he's saying is that if we're not open to the promptings of the Spirit, what are we doing? We're putting out the Spirit's fire. We're pouring water on the Spirit's work in our life like a fire. He says, so so he's, he's, here he tells us what he's talking about. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Now, what does he mean by that? He means that if we're not open to the, the promptings of the Spirit, and someone comes and says, I feel like God gave me a word for you. I feel like he has a message for you. And, and we just say, I don't believe. That's ridiculous. I think you're crazy. That's treating prophecies with contempt. We're, we're acting as if the Holy Spirit died 2,000 years ago and he no longer speaks. And we're, we're treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. And so he says, don't do that. He says, but here's what you need to do. You, you need to test everything. Uh, in other words, you don't just accept it. When you have a prompting, you feel like God's spoken to you about something, whether it's in prayer or through the word, or you're going to test it out, right? You're going to test it out. D- does this really seem like something God would say? Does this match up to who God seems to be in his word? Uh, a great way to test out prophecy or any kind of prompting is the two lists that we've looked at in Galatians 5. We've seen the, we've seen the, the acts of the dark side. Here's the old nature. Here's the, 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 uh, the leading of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you feel like God's leading you to do something, does it match up with that? Or, or does it violate the, any of those principles? Okay? And so he says, test everything um, and then uh, hold on to what's good. You know, what the things you're like, yes, that tests out. That's good. Hold on to that prompting, but avoid every kind of evil. And so if there's something, someone else, or you have got feel like you're getting, you know, leading to do something that's like evil, hey, that's obviously not the Lord, okay? But the point is, is that we, we, learn, we need to learn to be open to this. And I, and I really want us as a church, and I want you in your personal life, if, if you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, that, that you should expect that there will be times where God will direct you. And I want you to be open to that. Now, let, let me do a little sidebar here that's very important. And this sidebar applies to all three of these methods the Holy Spirit leads us, okay, that we're going to talk about today. But the, the sidebar has to do with obedience. And, and I want to be clear on this, that if you want to experience the Holy Spirit's presence, power, and leading in your life, 
There's one thing that matters more than anything else, and I want you to catch this, and that is that we obey him when he speaks, okay? So when he shows you a new truth, you need to obey the implications. When he gives you a prompting, you need to obey because there is a unique relationship between the Holy Spirit speaking and our obedience. In fact, Jesus was very clear on this, that the Holy Spirit will only speak and lead and guide one kind of person and one kind of person only on a regular basis. And that's the person who is willing to obey. And it's so important, I want to take just a couple minutes and highlight this and what Jesus uh, taught, and then we'll come back here and continue to talk about promptings. But let's go to, uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 14. This is, again, last night, Jesus is with this man. Of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit a lot, like I mentioned, and he, he says something really profound in 1415. Uh, if you love me, you will what? Obey, Obey what I command. So I want you to catch this. Jesus, this is always the bottom line. If, if you say you love me, then the way I measure that is by whether you follow me. And so if you say that, oh, I, I love Jesus, but I, I'm disobeying, th- there's, there's a disconnect there. Right? And he says, so I, if you love me, you'll obey me. He says, and then, here's, here's what that's going to trigger. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So, so catch, the, catch the sequence. If you love me, you will obey me. And then I will ask the Father to send the Spirit to guide you. You see, like I'm not going to send the Spirit to guide you if you don't love me and if you don't, aren't willing to obey me. It'd be a waste of time to send the Spirit of truth into your life to teach you how to follow me if you don't love me and you're not going to obey me. Why would I do that, you see? And it's interesting because later on in that conversation, one of his men, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other one, one of his men asked him, well, why would you send the Holy Spirit to us? Like, why do we get to experience you uh, and the whole rest of the world doesn't? And it's interesting what he says. Look what he says in verse 22. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And here's his answer. Well, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And then that will trigger a response. My father will love him and we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. You see that? And, and so th- this is what I want you to catch, is that as a church, if we want to be led by the Spirit, if you want to be led by the Spirit, the critical component in your life is, is that decision, I'm going to follow what the Spirit is saying to me. And, and so when we follow what the Spirit's saying, the Spirit tends to speak more. And, and when we ignore what the Spirit's saying, there comes a point, he's going to like, why, why do I talk to this person anymore? See, they're not, they're not following anyway. And so when it comes to promptings, the, the, the point would be that when the Holy Spirit speaks, that, that we need to, to, to listen uh, to him. And uh, so are there dangers? Yeah, of course, we need to be wise. There in your note sheet, Bill Hybels, in his book, uh, Too Busy Not to Pray, which is a great book on, on prayer. We use it as part of our uh, Pursuing God Essential course here. Where we're teaching how to spend time with God one-on-one, how to connect with him, how to hear his voice, and that sort of thing. But, but he says these reactions are understandable. In other words, these fears of being misled. In fact, I, I've uh, often had them myself. But the results of automatically resisting supernatural promptings are equally unfortunate. People who cut themselves off from God's direction find their religious experience, or their walk with God, it, be, it becomes cerebral, it becomes predictable, it becomes boring, and it often becomes past tense. Right? Like a marriage that once was good, all you remember is the glory days. Um, that's, it says, listening to God speak to us through his Holy Spirit is not only normal, it's essential. Okay? And so we want to be a church that learns how to do that. Now, um, I, I want you to catch this. This is not just in the big things. Sometimes when we think of following and listening to the promptings of the Spirit, we just think of the big areas of our life. But this is really a daily thing. That, that as believers, we should, be raised, we should be waking up every morning and saying, God, this day is your day. I belong to you. I want to experience you today. I want to be led by you today. I want to be used by you today. And so if there's anything you want to say to me today, if there's anything you want to direct me today, I just want to be open. Uh, it was interesting, uh, a few months ago, uh, well, about a year ago, I had, uh, I don't know, a year ago, me, a year and a half ago, uh, I was having lunch with uh, Francis Chan, who used to be, you know, Cornerstone, and uh, we were just kind of catching up, and, and he was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm writing this new book, it's going to be on the Holy Spirit, and so last year when it came out, he sent me a copy, and I was reading through it recently, 
And uh, he, he had this great uh, statement there. You know how so many times in our life as Christians, we ask the question, what's God's will for my life? You know, like, what's, God, what's my, your will for my life? And, and he makes the great point that, that often when we ask that question, we're avoiding the more important question, which is, what's your will for this day? And, and the reality is, as you follow God's will for this day, every day, a year from now, you are God's will for your life. You see? You don't have to find it. You are. You are God's will for your life because you've been, you've been living it out every day. And a great quote there. He says, I, I think uh, a lot of us need to forget about God's will for my life. God cares more about our response to the Spirit's leading today in this moment than about what we intend to do next year. In fact, the decisions we make next year will be profoundly impacted by the degree to which we submit to the Spirit right now in today's decision. God wants us to listen to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and even throughout the day as difficult and stretching moments arise and in the midst of the mundane. My hope is that instead of searching for God's will for my life, each of us would learn to, to seek hard after God the Spirit's leading in my life today. It's much less demanding to think of God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. Okay, and so we want to be a church that we, we so how do you stay in step with the Spirit? Well, well first of all, you, you need to pay attention to the truth he's given you and take appropriate steps. Secondly, you need to be listening to the specific promptings of direction. But there's one third area, and I love this area. It's, uh, it, it's uh, the area of desires. Uh, and by that, I'm talking about uh, new passions, one of the ways that, that God leads us, and this is a beautiful way, one of the ways the Holy Spirit leads us, and this is just so powerful, if you can hold on to this, is through our passions, through our desires. Uh, this is a beautiful way because, because often when we come to Christ, we think of our passions as being like a negative thing, like we have to resist those things to follow God. But, but here's the thing, the longer you follow the Holy Spirit, the more he transforms you, the more he leads you through your passions. This is a beautiful thing. And so, like, one of the things we've been learning in this series is that when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. He begins to change us from the inside out. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this back in Philippians there on your note sheet. I put it in the New Living Translation because it's, it's so clear there. He says, for God is working in you, giving you what? The, the what? The desire, Right? And the power to do what pleases him. Because as Christ followers, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. He begins to transform you from the inside out. And he gives you the desire and the power to do what he wants. Okay? And so as you walk with Christ, what you're going to find is when the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in a certain direction, he is going to begin to release new desires in your life. Like if he has a new career path for you, the Holy Spirit likely is going to create a desire for something new career-wise and a dissatisfaction with where you are. Are you with me in this? If the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into a better marriage, chances are he's going to create a dissatisfaction with your marriage the way it's been, and he's going to create a hunger for something new. If the Holy Spirit wants to lead you in an area of financial generosity, he's going to begin to plant a desire to give inside your, your heart. So we could go on and on with illustrations, but the point is, is that this is one of the primary weeds he, he leads us. Now, here's the thing. You would think that when the Holy Spirit does this, this would make it easy to follow because he's putting this new desire in your heart. But don't forget that we still have our old fallen desires, the dark side, remember? And so now this new desire that's very real and very supernatural, it's at odds with your old desire, which is very natural. So for example, look at your note sheet or uh, your Bible in Galatians 5.17. We looked at this earlier in, in the, the series. For the sinful nature, the dark side, <laughs> the sinful nature or the dark side desires what's contrary to the spirit. Notice the word desires. It desires what's contrary. And the, the spirit, what's contrary, spirit desires what's contrary to the sinful nature. And these are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Okay, so what Paul is saying is when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit starts creating new desires in your life. And this should be a regular part of your walk with Jesus. That, that as you walk, like there should be new desires throughout the year that he's beginning to plant in, in your life. Um, 
Uh, I, like I, I talked the other day, uh, just about kind of a, a new desire that he's been planning in my life the last uh, couple of months to, to be a better uh, grandfather, to be a better patriarch. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about that. And, and, and like, I, I didn't create that. Like, like I, didn't, uh, I didn't sit down and kind of analyze my life, how I'm doing in different areas, and come up with, hey, there's a deficiency. I think I'm getting a C minus in this area. Like, I, I need to kind of step it up, you know? Like, I didn't do that, right? Like, I, I didn't do that. The Holy Spirit just began creating a desire within me. But, so that, that's a great thing. So I've got this desire. But, but what is that going to require of me? It's going to require some changes in my schedule. It's going to require some changes in my priorities. How do I feel about that? Uh, mixed feelings, right? Because there's certain things. i got a busy life and trying to figure this out, how this works, right? It's not going to be easy. The same thing's going to happen in you. If the Holy Spirit starts creating a desire of generosity in you, there, there's going to be a, a supernatural desire that you didn't create that you want to give. But there is going to be an old part of you that says, yeah, but what if I won't run out of money? Well, what if I don't have enough? Well, what if I can't give this, right? And these things are going to be at odds with one another. If the Holy Spirit is calling you to spend time with him uh, daily in his word, and he's, he's creating this hunger, you want to spend, you want, you're sick of just kind of floating along. You want to pursue God. You want to know God. And there's this new hunger to spend time in his word and to spend time in prayer and learn how to hear his voice. And it's genuine Holy Spirit stuff. He's creating this, Right? But, but you also, you stay up till midnight every white watching the late show, and it's your time, it's your alone time, and, and, and there's a party that's like, I don't want to give up that time, right? So the Holy Spirit's creating this. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's creating a desire for a new marriage, uh, a, a better marriage, and, and he's creating a desire for you to grow in your gentleness as a husband, but, but that would mean that you have to go to your wife and to apologize for the way you've been. And, and you're, you, there's that old party who does not want to apologize, right? Our pride does not want to go there. Are, are you with me in this? So here's what I'm saying is that when the Holy Spirit is creating a desire, you sense it. And here's what I'm saying. When that desire starts emerging, that is the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. This is one of the primary ways. In fact, the longer you walk with Jesus, this becomes increasingly the way he leads you. Because as you get more and more in step with him, there's no longer like, hey, get rid of this sin or this big sin. or this. It's not about that stuff. That's old news. Like, like you're, you're walking in freedom now. But, but now he's beginning to direct you more with new passions, new desires. And this becomes more and more the way he, he leads. Are you with me in this? Does this make sense? And this is where life begins to really take off. Because now you're being led by your passions. And the things that you care most about are the things Jesus cares most about. And you're not just keeping in step with the Spirit. You are running in the Spirit. You see? It's like, like he has put, this is the next thing. And this is, well, what's next, God? Well, what's next, God? Let's just keep going. You know, let's pick up the pace here. Let's go. Because, because God is on the move and you're on the move. And it's no longer all these old things that held you down. Because you're now being driven by your passions. You see? And this is where he's taking us. Okay, and so, so as we come to the end of this series, here's the message. You're a follower of Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. He's come to set you free. But the key is learning to listen and follow the Spirit. And, and as you follow those desires, guess what? In the early stages, those desires are often baby desires. They're faint desires. They're kind of, they're, they're there, they're real, but they're not screaming at you. They're not calling strong. It's just a desire. But as you begin to per- submit to that desire, that desire grows and it, and it overtakes your, your life. And so the message is, as we follow the Spirit, he moves us into freedom. And today, I hope this has been helpful to highlight three of the primary ways the Holy Spirit will lead you through the new insight with, that has a built-in invitation, uh, through promptings that are specific and real, and through desires, new passions that he's releasing in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for your, your spirit, the way he leads us, the way he guides us. And we pray as a church, we will learn to listen in, that we will learn to follow, and that in the process, we will experience the freedom that you died to give us. We pray this in your name. Amen. And, and that's the message of this second mini-series, right? That he's stronger, that he's come to set us free, and that as we follow the leading of the spirit, that the... Uh, that the slavery to the dark side has been broken and, and that we can be transformed and become like him and be changed. And, 
And so I just pray the Lord will, will use this, uh, these messages in your life to lead to greater freedom as you pursue him. Um, also, next week, hope you can be with us. Uh, we're kicking off uh, the, the final mini-series in Galatians next week. It's called Community. And so Paul's been talking to us about what does it mean to be free from our past. And the one now in the first part, the one to talk about, second mini-series, what does it mean to be free, free from the dark side? And now he's going to talk, what does it look like to do freedom as a community, as a movement? What does it look like to, as a movement here at Rocky Peak, what does it look like to do freedom together in community? And so uh, we're getting about five messages on that as Paul picks up five different topics and talks about their specific communities, issues they were facing, but issues that apply to every church, you know, today. And so we're going to be talking, having some great times as we go into that. So I hope you can join us next week. Uh, now may the Lord be with you this week, and may you know his freedom and his power uh, in your life as you pursue him, that you would move into the freedom that he died for to set you free. God bless you. I'll see you next weekend and uh, have a great week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. <laughs>